You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on Reality Check Radio. Our next guest is Glenn Thomas. He is co-founder of the Gold Survival Guide. He's also father of one and avid body surfer. We're going to be talking today about gold, silver, and much, much more. Welcome to the show, Glenn. Yeah, hey, Natalie, thanks a lot for having me. Much appreciated uh, yeah, for getting me along. Well, it's awesome to have you on the show. And I know you did an interview um, a couple months back with one of my co-hosts, Paul. So that it, that's awesome. And it's so good to have you back to be talking about gold and silver. I can't wait. Uh, before we dive in, though, can you give our listeners a little bit of backstory? How did you get into this area? Yeah, well, I, I probably got interested in precious metals quite a long time ago, back in the sort of Earlyish two thousands, I think. When I, I think, I think, I think I probably first started reading some stuff, maybe from Robert Kiyosaki or someone like that. So it kind of went on from there, and I subscribed to various other some financial newsletters and so forth. And one of those actually um, led me to go to a event here in New Zealand where the chief economist was speaking at at this event, and they're quite into you know, public uh, publishing information about precious metals. And so anyway, at, at that event, I actually met my now business partner, David. We happened to be at the same uh, table. And so I kind of got to talk, talking to him and, and, and a couple of others. And so out of that kind of came something along the lines of, well, there's not really anyone writing about precious metals here in New Zealand. All the stuff we were reading was all very US-centric. It pretty much all came out of the US, really not, not, a, not didn't really see anything from anywhere else. So, yeah, we just kind of went, oh, well, let's... Uh, let's do something so we kind of just started this website up and started writing some information on there and it was we were more thinking we were going to like do some kind of investment newsletter and talk about david was quite into like mine gold mining shares and things and so he knew quite a lot about that so we thought we were going to do that but in the end we got lots of questions around um actual physical gold and silver like you know where do you buy it and you know who do you trust and where do you go and these were in the days when there weren't actually like websites weren't massively common. So like some of the refiners here in New Zealand didn't even have a website themselves. So yeah, like long story short, we kind of got those types of questions. And then from there, we kind of went actually, well, maybe we should like start selling the stuff ourselves. It was kind of how it evolved and it happened quite kind of fast. I guess it probably was about six months after we started the website where we were still trying to work out what our model was and it kind of got delivered to us by I guess listening to the questions that people were asking basically so yeah and from there we, we started selling it started out pretty small it was just like a hobby business this is back in two this is around the financial crisis time back in 2008 2009 um so yeah it started out real kind of sideline hobby type thing and then just kind of steadily grew until it became our main our main kind of business and we stopped doing other stuff and started doing this you know full-time basically um so yeah so it kind of went from servicing like a just a handful of people to like you know growing quite a lot and yeah now we've got clients we're still mostly in New Zealand but we've got clients um in the US and you know Australia some UK you know kind of a bit of everywhere really so um yeah that's like the I don't know how long that was one minute backstory of kind of how like gold survival guide kind of arose and that's probably why that's sort of how 
we got to name it. Or sort of sounds like a bit apocalyptical, like you know we're expecting the end of the world sort of thing with the whole survival thing. But it was more around like a you know a survival guide of how to understand precious metals because it's kind of a confusing topic for people that are new to it. So that was how the name actually arose. Even though it's maybe a bit of a double play on words kind of thing, and that it you know it, it potentially could be about survival if things got really bad. Um, well, I mean it's. It's a hot topic, you know, at the moment. And I think I didn't realize you guys had been around so long. I think I must have become your customer about three, maybe three and a half years ago <clears throat> when people were starting to talk about how it was a good idea to, you know, get get some sil silver or some gold and be prepared uh, for whatever it was coming. And I became your customer. And then I, a few, I think a few year, a year or so later, I ended up meeting David and I'm like, oh my goodness, uh, we've become friends. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic. I want to do the, the W's, what I call them, like the what, why, the W, the what, why, how, where, and all the things. So what, I guess it's like, why would someone buy silver and gold compared to traditional methods of, you know, financial, opportunities and investments which would be like having you know stocks and bonds and shares and money in the bank in a long-term um, account so what is it all about like why would someone do it yeah i mean i guess everybody's got different reasons as to why they might do it i think maybe they might not say this out loud but probably one of the main reasons i think myself in terms of the why is what makes gold and silver different from basically all other financial assets is that gold and silver have no counterparty risk, which sounds kind of complicated, but I mean, it's actually not. Counterparty just means that someone else is on the other side of any trade that you do, and you're relying upon them remaining solvent and in business in order to, you know, get your investment back. So, like, if you looked at, um, you know, stocks or shares, depending on which country you're in, as to what you call them, um, you know, you're relying upon the actual company to remain trading insolvent so that you know you can sell your share when you want it to and you're relying upon them actually maybe doing better so the share price goes up and if you look at other things like bonds you're relying upon either the company or the government you know to remain solvent so that you get your money back in the future you know the return of your investment as well as the return on so that's a counterparty as well and if you look at say property like most people are going to have a mortgage on it so you're kind of reliant upon the bank then talking about banks, I guess, is another good point. If you're talking about cash in the bank, you're actually um, your cash in the bank is the, is the bank's liability. So you're relying upon the bank actually remaining solvent and being able to um, return your money to you when you say, you know, knock knock, I want my however many dollars back. Um, so yeah, and and I guess that is kind of a key difference here in New Zealand that's likely to change in the next couple of years there's been some legislation um you know a, a bill that's sort of been recently passed but here in New Zealand we don't actually have any um bank deposit guarantees or you know like like sometimes it's called deposit insurance but basically if a bank fails in most other countries say in the US or Australia there's like a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars that is guaranteed of your money currency I should really say not money because I don't or cash money, I call it currency, um, your currency that you'll get it back again. So um, in, in New Zealand, that actually isn't the case. If a bank fails here in New Zealand, then we have what's called the open bank resolution, which simply means that the Reserve Bank shuts the bank down and quickly sees what assets it's got left and then works out 
what percentage it can give back or make available to its customers. So, which means you might get a haircut and you might lose 50% of what you had in the bank. So, as I said, that is changing and there will be the, the, the bank deposit guarantee to come in probably at the end of next year, depending upon how long they take to finally roll that out. But um, yeah, that's still a little way off. So, that's a key difference in terms of banks and in terms of deposits here in New Zealand compared to just about every other country in the Western world. Maybe Israel might not have one as well. I think they're about the only other one off the top of my head, but um, that, yeah, that's quite a big difference here. So I'm probably yeah. not the only one listening thinking, I had no idea. I had no idea about that. And when you explain it like that, and as well as with the, the stocks or the, the shares, it makes those things seem very volatile. And um like a bit of a gamble. Yeah. So I, I guess it's like, I love to support a small bank, you know, but I'm like, oh gosh, that makes interesting. I didn't realize that. I mean, for me personally, I, I guess it was about three years ago when I started to listen, you know, get on, listen to Rumble or Odyssey or um, follow a few people on Telegram, just some different locations instead of just getting fed the same news that we hear everywhere. And I started thinking about my family's, you know, future and thinking, well, it sounds smart to me, rather than putting this extra $1,000 in the bank, I'm going to buy $1,000 worth of silver. And I didn't start with 1000 I probably started with like $300 worth. And I was like, what can I get for this? And I got some Canadian coins, you know, for nostalgia. Um, but for me, it was partly, I guess, kind of an insurance policy of sorts thinking. And also I had heard rumors about, um, you know, the Federal Reserve is going to eventually kind of crumble and we're going to go back to a gold back currency that is not just about, you know, printing money at nauseum. Um, and so it's a really good idea. And this, and that's when silver and gold, which have been suppressed, um, are going to go up. That's That was my logic. That was my thinking. And um, how <laughs> accurate or not? <laughs> when you're on the right ballpark, or were you, yeah. were they, you weren't, I don't think you were completely wrong. And I'd say you were largely right, because I can't disagree with too much of that. Probably to touch upon a few of the things you said there, I think you said like you saw it as a bit of an insurance policy and that's yeah. kind of how we like to talk about it, like call it wealth insurance. And I mean, you could compare that when you insure something like a house or whatever, you're like thinking of the possible risks, like my house might burn down or there's a flood or there's a storm or whatever. And so I want to be able to get my house rebuilt again, you know, in the aftermath. And so I guess that would be one way to look at gold and silver is from that kind of banking situation is one way to look at it, particularly here in New Zealand, is that if you've got some cash in the bank, well, you really should have some gold and silver to kind of counteract that because if if you lose that cash that's in the bank, you can't lose the gold and silver. Well, you can lose the gold and silver if you don't look after it properly, but, I mean, effectively it's still going to be then. It can't be taken away from you because, you know, sorry, gold and silver company went, went bust. As long as you've got the physical stuff yourself, mm. you're going to get it back again. So. That's like the insurance policy part of things. I think that you talked about that is exactly right, and it's also an insurance policy policy against other things like which is which are kind of guaranteed. It's like an insurance policy that you're going to you're going to get something back on. Almost, I can almost say I can't really quite say guaranteed, but effectively, the thing I can guarantee is that there's going to be a continual continual loss of purchasing power because we've seen that for the last hundred years, basically, and particularly for the last like. Uh, I was going to say 30, but now it's more like getting closer to 50, I guess, since the the last kind of link to gold in the monetary system was reviewed, uh, removed back in the 70s. So because of that, you can you kind of guarantee that there's going to, you're going to lose purchasing power every year or what people might call inflation, but it's 
one opposite side of the same coin kind of thing. You know, are you losing purchasing power or are the prices of stuff going up? Well, the prices of stuff aren't really going up. You're just the dollar that we use or whatever currency in the world it might be where you're sitting now, that's going down is really what it is. And so, yeah, it's useful to measure that against something. And at the moment, we measure it against other countries and we say, you know, the New Zealand dollar has gone down against the US dollar, et cetera, et cetera. But they're kind of all just taking it in turns to go down and they cycle through about which one's under or overperforming the other. But in the long run, they're kind of all going down. That's actually what's happening. And so that's why I like to use um, gold and silver to measure the value of stuff rather than using dollars because it's kind of like, um, what's an analogy? It's kind of like trying to measure how long my house is with an elastic band. Like every time I do it, it's going to be kind of different because it depends how far I stretch the band sort of thing. So effectively, if you're trying to measure stuff in dollars, um, that's an elastic band because the amount of dollars in existence are constantly, you know, growing and getting larger. And in recent years, they've grown. It's grown a lot and quite fast. So, so that's why I think I like to measure things, which could be houses, it could be shares, it could be um, it could be comparing gold and silver themselves. So measure them in ounces of gold and silver rather than in dollars. And then you can kind of do that on a historical basis and see how cheap things are or how expensive things are. So, um, yeah, I think that's a useful a useful thing to do as well. Can't so we've talked a little bit about what and why. I wanted to ask you another W, which is where. Because I think some people listening will be like, well, where do I store it? You don't have to say like, you know, store, store it in a safe in your house would be great. But do, can they purchase it but not have it delivered like do you guys have storage facility or no how does that work yeah yeah there are there are there's definitely there's definitely storage options um if you don't want to as you say if you don't want to have it in a safe at home or i mean people do all sorts of things with it and bury it in the backyard and there's all you know all sorts of stories that happen but yeah for sure there's there's actual um storage facilities wherever you are in the world and in, in new zealand we've got multiples of them as well and so yeah, effectively it can get delivered directly to a storage facility as well where you you know set up a safety deposit box of whatever size depending on how much you're buying and then you've got options to like ensure ensure that as well against you know theft and stuff also so yeah there's definitely there's definitely multiple options in terms of um storage and then there's also other options that some people like might depend how much wealth you've got and you know kind of what your sort of net worth is and other things but there's other options to actually store some of that elsewhere off, offshore as well. We've got um, a facility that we kind of partner with in Singapore. So that allows you to actually store some metal in another country, you know, as a further kind of safety net. And we, and we on the flip side of that, we have the same, same thing here in New Zealand where we have like people in the US looking to store some precious metals elsewhere as like a sort of a bolt hole or escape, you know, and they might also have a property or something here as well. Like it's, you know, there's a lot, as much as we think things have been a bit crazy here in New Zealand over the last few years, like I think it's there's been a whole other level happening in the US and certain parts of the US as well. So they're on the flip side, you know, trying to trying to protect themselves as well. So yeah, so there's various storage options both here and abroad, and it kind of depends upon the person's situation as to what might be the best thing for them. Yeah. With the COVID craziness that we've experienced in the past three years, did you see like a massive spike in just average members of the public like me coming in purchasing gold and silver? And where is it at now? 
Yeah, we definitely, we saw various um, spikes. We saw like probably the biggest spike was in, uh, well, it was soon after all the real craziness happened, it must have been in 2020 in about June, I'd say off the top of my head. Um, and like other things, like the share market had crashed and, you know, other stuff like that had happened. And so it really got crazy, crazy busy there for like a period of time. And then that, kind of come down to being not crazy busy but being really solidly busy and it's been like that you know for the last number of years that probably changed maybe slightly towards the end of last year where it kind of just plateaued off to a higher level than what it was before Um, and then probably in the new year of this year it actually got things got relatively quiet Um, and then we had the bank failures in the US that kind of stirred things up again and it got really busy in March Mm. since then it's kind of quietened down again and actually more recently it's gotten really really quiet so like there's very few transactions that we're seeing on a on a daily basis now compared to say like a year ago um so yeah that's kind of interesting from a um uh like from a it's, it's useful for us we can kind of use it as almost like a gauge of where the price may go from what we've seen historically so when the demand actually gets really low on a, from a retail perspective in terms of people actually buying, that often seems to happen at kind of turning Oh, it's glitching out. It's glitching out. You know what? Turn off your camera. Just turn off your camera and we'll just carry on with, I can imagine what you look like. Um, so you were just saying, what? so what often happens is when um, when there's demand goes down, something about the price. Yeah, so when when demand actually um, is lower from a retail perspective, that's often when there's kind of turning points happen in the in the price. So that's often when the price will actually start to 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 head back up again, um, or at least it it sort of shows that it's bottomed out. And so, I mean. I don't, I don't know anything for sure, but I think there's a reasonable chance that the the price is kind of getting, you know, it's 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 if it hasn't reached the bottom, it's very close, just because there's actually very little demand. And when people people seem to like buying, you know, stuff like TVs and everything else on sale, but when it comes to investments, people seem to like buying things when the price has gone up. So we often see demand actually increase as the price is higher, which is you know kind of the opposite time to when you should ideally be be buying so um yeah that's that's at the moment it's 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 definitely quieter in terms of demand and so i think that likely means that you know we're probably at a good time to be buying you know kind of counterintuitively to what most people actually do okay so and just to remind our listeners so this is a very current interview so right now we're interviewing it's the 22nd of august so you'll be listening to this i'm going to publish it this week so you guys will be listening to it um, on Friday this week. So everything Glenn is saying, what I'm trying to get from my audience is the most up-to-date current info for them if they feel like they want to get gold or silver, or maybe they don't, but it's just good to have a little think about. I mean, I said to my parents probably a year ago, like, you guys should really think about getting some gold and silver. Um, and then I think I reminded them again recently and, and, you know, messages from their daughter talking about, oh, the Federal Reserve is going to crumble and we're moving to a gold-backed currency. And I don't know how much they they take on board, but um, I do think personally, it's a good idea for people to get some. You know what? What what I loved about your customer service, I'm not... So when I go to your website now, which is goldsurvivalguide.co.nz, it says, we educate first, 
sell gold and silver second. So what I love about your website is you've got all, you've got great education. You've got these videos and people can buy a book all about it. Now I'm not the type of person that's going to sit and watch a thousand videos or buy a book. I'm just like, Hey Glenn, I want to, I've got 500 bucks. What can you do for me? You know? And it's just, you guys were so efficient and it was emailing, like you'd send me a quote and then I would accept the quote and then like I'd transfer the money and then we were done. It was like really simple. But what I loved about it is I wasn't talking to some like AI robot thingy. I was just emailing with probably either you or David or one of your staff members. It was so efficient. Um, And of course with gold, like anything, it's going to be a different price on a different day. Correct? Yeah, exactly. It's a different price on a different minute. It varies like, you know, every minute it's, it's the price is changing. So yeah, it, it varies from minute to minute and day to day. Um, and, and it can vary quite a lot. It can be volatile, but yeah, at the moment it's kind of just hovering around the same kind of level, which is maybe why there's a lack of interest because people, you know, it's a bit more obvious when the price is clearly rising or clearly falling, you kind of know what you're getting. Whereas at the moment it's a little bit no man's landish maybe. So that could be why, you know, people are kind of sitting on the fence waiting to see what happens before they, before they jump in or not. Yeah. And also I know that, um, so people can get coins or bars. Is there, I mean, obviously a bar is heavier, um, and harder to break as such if you want to cash it out or exit strategy. Um, it, it, I don't know. Do you have a, do you have a, any advice on that? Like, is it good to have a bit of both or it's really just individual? Yeah, I mean, it's choice? a lot of kind of individual choice. Um, I mean, there's some clear like pros and cons to both. Certainly with um, bars are generally the, the best value for money. You'll kind of get the most gold or silver, you know, for the dollars. That See, you- I didn't even know that. That's a good tip. <laughs> yeah. So, so that so when we like in kind of technical industry talk, we, we say like the premium is lower, which the premium just means how much you pay above the spot price. So you see the spot price quoted on the evening news of gold, you know, it'll usually be in US dollars, which doesn't really help you necessarily that much if you're in New Zealand, but there's a New Zealand dollar spot price. And then there'll be a premium that you pay above that for the actual fabrication of the metal to turn it into something. And I guess the, the, the why, why silver coins are more expensive or gold coins is because there's more work involved, I guess, in, in turning them into what they are. You know, like for a cast bar, mm. they just pour it into a mould. Um, I said just to make it sound really simple. It's not that simple, but effectively they pour it into a mould and that's the tip it out of the mould and that's a bar. Whereas a coin, that, that has to happen as well, but then it's got to be actually pressed and or minted or stamped to, to create that coin as well. So there's more effort and more work that goes into it. So that's why the coins always, you know, cost a, cost a bit more than what the, the bars do. So in terms of like pros and cons, well, that's the obvious pro is that you get more gold or silver for your money for the bars. Um, but on the flip side, the coins have maybe got some benefits in that like the, a coin from a well-known mint is like really quite recognizable all around the world. I mean, bars can be well recognized as well, but then also the, the coins can come in like a smaller format, like particularly for silver, like, you know, a silver coin is about like, just call it 40 to 50 bucks for round numbers, um, you know, whereas a kilo bar of silver is another common way of buying. And that's, you know, in the like 13, 1400 vicinity sort of thing. So if you think about to kind of like worst case scenario kind of preparation type stuff, um, then, you know, silver coins effectively could be used for everyday transactions, you know, like for buying some groceries or whatever. Um, whereas, you know, a $1,300 bar is a bit harder to like just, you know, 
buy a hundred bucks worth of groceries kind of thing. So that might that's another reason maybe why some people are buying silver coins. And I think from kind of what we've seen, we've definitely noticed in the last few years that the silver coin side of things has gotten more, there's been more demand for that than what there was, say, four or five years ago. Like the majority of people were buying just bars really. Now we're probably seeing people buying, you know, a bit of both. So, yeah, I guess to answer your question in short, I'd kind of sit on the fence and say, yeah, maybe maybe a bit of both because you get value for money as well as the versatility of what, coins give you that would be my short answer Mm. yeah and i mean you know when i watch various people on rumble and youtube and such you know and they talk about oh it's a good idea to get some and get some silver or gold but silver is obviously um at the moment it's cheaper than gold which is why a lot of people start with silver but does it have a little bit more room to grow meaning can you i know you can't really financially advise on this but can you see that you know silver would it have, um, you know, for, it might even triple in price, you know, in the next whatever. Um, is is that a better investment or if people can afford to get gold because it's more expensive, are they better off getting gold? Yeah, well, like, uh, again, it probably sort of comes down to a bit of personal choice, but maybe some of the things to consider in making your personal choice is like, you know, how much you can handle some volatility because silver is definitely more volatile. It kind of mm-hmm. does nothing for a while like it might not really go anywhere it'll be like oh why did i do that because it's you know the same as when i bought it but then suddenly over a course of a matter of months you know it will go up quite a lot like 10 20 30 percent you know and and historically that could be 100 percent sort of thing so if you can if you can handle the volatility then then silver you know as long as you as long as you're aware of that that's that's something to be aware of um like silver Certainly, if you're talking about like upside potential, like as you said, I can't make any guarantees and I'm not here to tell people what to do. But if you look historically, like silver has definitely got more potential upside on a comparing it to what's happened historically. At the moment, like the uh, what's called the silver to gold ratio. So it's just how many ounces of silver it takes to buy an ounce of gold. Um, that's about around um, the 80-ish kind of mark at the moment. Um, so it means 80 ounces of silver to buy one ounce of gold. Um, so, and then that has been up closer to a hundred, um, in recent years, but it's also been down in like the thirties and forties and on a historical basis, but it's been a lot lower than that. And if you go back to like the end of the last precious metals kind of cycle in around 1980, then that ratio went like right the way down to about 16. So then it only took 16 ounces of silver to buy an ounce of gold. So um, if you yeah, if you kind of use that on today's prices, you know, like an ounce of um, ounce of gold is what in New Zealand dollars is over three thousand dollars. It's like uh, three thousand one hundred and something or other like that. And an and an ounce of silver is only you know like Listen, about like 40 bucks kind of thing so yeah if that ratio went back to where it was of like 16 well then you're dividing you know over three thousand dollars by 16 which is not that easy to do in my head i have got a calculator to hand though so i'll just do it really roughly so yeah that's like 100 and the silver price being 180 190 dollars an ounce kind of thing compared to the you know 30 to 40 dollars that it is currently so um, yeah, that's one way of looking at it. That it has got, you know, way potentially a lot more upside than what gold has. Um, but gold gives you that kind of stability over a long period of time as well. So, I mean, again, my personal thing is is have a bit of both. Um, and 
you might want to change how much you've got depending upon what that ratio is. That's another way of looking at, at things. You know, at the moment we sort of say when the ratio when that ratio is above um, about sort of seventy, um, it's a good time to be buying. You know, mostly or predominantly silver. And so we're in that 80 kind of range at the moment. And then when you're down in that 70 to, I don't know, maybe call it 50 range, then maybe that's a get a bit of both. And then below that is maybe a time when it's better to be buying gold compared to silver. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a kind of way of comparing that. And also probably the other thing on a historical basis for silver that's useful, I think, particularly here in New Zealand where we're all quite mad on housing, is um, looking at how many ounces it takes to buy like the median kind of house price in New Zealand. And if you do that at the moment, we kind of keep a track of this on a sort of quarterly basis, maybe just because it's interesting to see. And I think at the moment when I last did it, I haven't got the numbers to hand, but I so it could be wrong on the exact number, but I think we were at about 27,000 or something like that ounces to buy the median house price in New Zealand. And if we go back again, historically to that time in 1980, when, um, the last precious metals bull market kind of peaked or ended. I think in New Zealand it was about 1,100 ounces to buy the average house in New Zealand. So that's a big difference between 1,100 and 27,000. You know, it was like, what, that's 27 times sort of thing. Um, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Okay, we're learning tons of stuff. We're learning tons of t um, terminology. We've talked about the volatility with silver and the stability with gold, um, the upside and everything else. I'm trying to think of other frequently asked questions that people might ask you, but maybe you can do that for me. <laughs> Glenn, what are some other things that you get asked, either people emailing or through your website or whatever? What are some other things you think my audience would want to know or any tangible tips, uh, any other tangible tips you might have for them around this topic of gold and silver? Yeah, well, we've probably touched on some of the main ones already, which uh, and and which are often probably one of the other ones that's that's common is like, well, how much should I have? How much should I have in terms of my the rest of my portfolio, whatever you might want to call it, you know, yeah. other investments and things? Um, that's probably quite a common one. I mean, again, it's it's a bit of a – we have written something about this because it's a bit of a like, you know, I'd need to know every detail about you to be able to – if I was an advisor to give you good advice on that. But yeah. in terms of – there's studies and things that are done that have sort of shown that's an allocation of like somewhere like five, even just 5 to 10% of, of gold and silver can like smooth out what might go wrong in other parts of your investments, you know, be that like property or be that um, the share market or what have you. So that's a kind of a, like a ballpark number in terms of like your liquid investments, maybe not, not including housing. Um, that might be useful to cover that. I mean, but yeah, lots of people will be way higher than that because they see the risks to the the, the financial system and their other you know assets as being much higher. Um, so that's that's like a common one. Another one is probably like you know what ratio of gold to silver. And again, I guess we've kind of already touched on that, but that might kind of vary a bit. I mean, personally, I I think you know good to have a bit of both and depending on if you can stomach it a bit more maybe that percentage should be higher in silver rather than in gold um and then as things vary over time you may choose to change that you know like if silver goes up quite a lot compared to gold well then you'll end up with you might have started off 50 50 and you might have then have it might be like 70 30 or something um so then sometimes then people might choose to cycle out of one and into up the other they might want to like rebalance effectively and sell some silver to buy some gold. So, um, yeah, there are all kind of questions that that 
don't have an easy answer, which is probably why people ask them, um, but we can kind of give them some, you know, some guidelines or some things to consider. Okay, so you just mentioned about possibly selling some silver to buy some gold. So I'd love to ask you about exit strategies. I'm on your email list, and I saw that you mentioned exit strategies in your recent email. Um, So when it comes time for somebody to sell, because a lot of people might be thinking, well, I don't want to drag, you know, this massive... wagon full of gold bars behind me when I go to the shop um what yeah like what how do you how do you sell when you want to sell some to either buy more or to buy something else yeah what's it's it's simpler than what people might think I mean it's much like in the same way as when you buy so yeah there's always there's always a market for gold and silver um and I don't see why that will change so when the time comes it's just a case of really coming back could be coming back to us it could be going to other um, bullion dealers or what have you, and just requesting what the price, what the buyback price is on that particular day, and accepting that, and you know you return the metal in, and you get given back the cash. Um, you know, on not, maybe not handed over physically across the counter, but you get a bank transfer on the same day. So it's it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty liquid. Um, you know, you can do that. You know, any business day of the week, just like just like buying and selling other other stuff so it's not a difficult thing to do i mean there's there's a few other things to think about in terms of exiting it may be that you might you could potentially sell it privately to someone else you might even you might actually get more doing that um if you know if you find the right person to sell it to um you could also look at the option of um there's other ways to do it you know you see people selling things on trade me and whatnot you know overseas it might be on ebay as well um i mean there's some other risks with that, I suppose, in terms of having to get the metal to that unknown person. So you haven't sort of got it some a party in the middle to sort of safe keep things, but that people do do that. That's an option as well. In terms of your other exit strategies, well the other things that maybe people don't think about is that maybe you might not even you might not sell it as such. You know, you you might spend it. You might be able to swap mm-hmm. it for something else effectively. You might be able to trade it for something else that might be High, you might then see it as being higher value, like would that be like a, I don't know, a car or a property or something like that. We're touching on what we sort of talked about before about the the value of between precious metals and say housing. So that might be another thing you might be able to construct a deal where you where you do that. The other reason why you why you may not sell it as such is maybe because you don't need to because it's it potentially could have returned to being involved in the monetary system somehow. Um, with technology and things coming into play as well, it might be that you might be able to transact it. It might you might might be involving maybe blockchain or something as well, where you could end up being that could be turned into more of a spendable type currency as well, where you're not necessarily rolling up to a shop with a silver or a gold coin to buy something. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of things we can't really prepare for. We can just consider and look ahead and. and maybe make a rough plan or have some ideas but yeah i mean as it goes like today and tomorrow it's it's very easy to sell when the when the time comes um you can just you know go into a place anywhere in the world like a bullion dealer pretty much anywhere in the world and you'll be able to you'll be able to sell it so yeah those are there's, there's other things to consider as well those are a few of the probably key ones that spring to mind Yeah, no, that's helpful. And, you know, on my show and in my life, I'm all about empowering people. And so for me, I I use the phrase, be prepared, not paranoid a lot. And that's one of the reasons I was wanting to get gold and silver. I'm like, I'm just going to be prepared for whatever come what may. 
down, come what may down the road. Um, so speaking of what's coming down the road, um, the yellow brick road, no bricks, the acronym bricks. Um, I know that they, what, what currency are some of the other countries around the world moving towards if, as they possibly move away from the, um, Fiat dollar, the paperback dollar, and what does BRICS, the acronym, stand for? If you, I know it's Brazil, Russia, but can you do the rest? Yeah, well, that's that's Brazil, Russia, India, uh, also Brazil, Russia, India, China should be the obvious one, and, and South it, Africa. This is South Africa, yeah. Okay. So, but at the moment, there's a there's a very soon this month actually there's a um, a, a BRICS meeting happening in South Africa. So there's been a lot of talk around that, and like a lot of these things, it's a bit hard to know what's what you know separating reality from conjecture and whatnot. And there's things that have come out from some parties that have been counteracted by other countries and whatnot. But there's this it definitely seems like the, the thing that seems definite or very likely is that there are other countries that are looking to join that that BRICS block. Um, so and they they could be you know they're from all over the world. The interesting part about that is maybe that that quite could include um, Saudi Arabia, um, Iran. We're looking at and so we're looking at other countries that are effectively big petroleum suppliers. And the the the, the U.S. dollar is often referred to as the petrodollar because that's kind of partly how they've managed to keep mm-hmm. that going is because they've made these other countries agree to to sell um, their oil in U.S. dollars. So that's kind of oversimplifying things, but that's. That's sort of how it gets its name. Um, so there's so there's these other countries looking to join, and it's as high as maybe like twenty or something. I think I, I saw. Um, so that seems quite likely that there will be more that join there. And there's also been discussion and talk about whether they might. The, some have used the term gold back, and other have ter- used the term gold linked, um, and mm-hmm. so and making an actual BRICS currency. So I guess it may be a bit like the euro exists, where you know they a whole lot of countries banded together and then they have a common currency. So this could be sort of the same as well. It might be different to the euro in that the the people within those countries might not actually be transacting with it. It might be more of like a way for the the country the, the governments to to can transact with each other. And you know, like you buy so much oil, so then I'll give you so many bricks, kind of thing. Um, so that's something that's that's being talked about. Again, it's a bit hard to know quite how and i think maybe i think i think possibly it's been overhyped a little bit i don't think suddenly they're going to announce that there's like this new gold-backed bricks currency later this month and it's i don't think it's likely to happen that fast but it's there's all these like steps if you're talking about the yellow brick road like there's you know there's a lot of pavement and we're kind of just steadily going down that pavement and this is maybe another one of those steps that are that are being added that moves us away from fiat currency and on towards you know whatever whatever might come next and so i mean i think that's likely to have gold and silver in it there's little like warning signs or road signs that are sort of showing that um like just looking at the amount of gold that various central banks around the world have been buying over the last little while and over this year i think the first six months of this year was like the the record the record for the largest amount of purchases of gold of central banks since they started recording that, which is quite a while ago now. Um, so that's another, you know, bit of an indicator that some a lot of these countries are kind of thinking, hmm, where are we heading? And I guess what happened when Russia, you know, the, when Russia invaded, um, the, you know, the, when the war started uh, early last year. And then what the reaction was from US to that, uh, to to Russia in terms of you know freezing some of their 
um, reserves and things. They've all been like little warning warning bells that have suddenly rung for various other countries that are kind of like, oh, that might be thinking, hmm, well, we are, I think we're your partner now, but like what happens in the future if we're not? And they sort of see the risks that they're exposed to. So uh, that's probably a, a bit of a bit of a ringing a bell for, for a few countries and a few central banks. So, yeah, there's all these little kind of, it's been going on for a long time. Like, as I said, I've been following precious metals for a long while and there's been all these little warning signs. It just seems like there's maybe a few more of them starting to arrive in, in recent years. So I think we're likely to move towards some kind of um, new currency and whether what that is exactly, I don't know. Um, but I think it's likely that it will have, that it'll involve, uh, you know, gold, whether it involves silver as well, I don't know. Um, but if, if it involves gold, like that'll still have an impact upon silver as well. So yeah, there's, there's lots of lots of unknowns, but I think we certainly seem to be moving, you know, towards a change. A change is like inevitable because, um, you know, currencies, fiat currencies certainly don't don't exist for very long. And this is the only time in history where there's basically every currency in the world has been fiat and the main reserve currency has been fiat as well. So um, yeah, it's an interesting time to be alive to say the least oh it is and I, and I didn't know that about the other countries obviously buying in gold as well so for them same thing wealth insurance just like for the average person and that's why i think it's cool it's like the average person can buy even if it's just two coins of silver just to have um i just think it's smart to kind of spread your wealth around meaning like don't just have all your eggs in the bank basket is i guess what my that was my logic at least yeah. um hey i'd love it if we're gonna we're gonna go to the questions now that i ask all my guests so uh glenn what is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave uh, yeah, well, I hope I usually try and do. I hope I do some some stuff every year that ups the brave. Um, probably the one that springs to mind um, was that I actually went and became a uh, qualified lifeguard at the end of last year. Which kind of somewhat late, and like most of the people becoming lifeguards are in their teens, sort of thing. So I'm slightly past that. I'm kind of getting closer to the to the half century than I am to being a teenager. Um, so yeah, so that's what I did last year was become a, a, a qualified lifeguard at the end of, uh, end of 2022. So yeah, but I think that's Well, you're in the perfect place for that. You're in Mangafai, yes? Yeah. Yeah, I'm indeed. That's kind of partly why, cause I spend lots of time, you know, in and around the surf and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I've got other people that I know that do that. And I've got another, other friends that are that and kind of said, you know, you should, you should do this. And I did it with my daughter as well, which was a pretty cool experience. It's a, it's quite challenging, especially, you know, there's quite a lot you need to know in terms of knowledge and first aid and everything else, as well as the actual physical requirements of being able to swim, at, you know, a certain distance in a certain time and all that sort of stuff. So I'm involved in a bit of training. So, uh, yeah, that was that's something that springs to mind. Do you then go and volunteer and, like, take you do shifts and things like that? Yep, yep, you've got to do that as well. You've got to do, like, a effectively once a month you do a, a weekend so yeah. that's a, I mean all, I think all surf clubs kind of vary how they run it and, you know but we're all here we're all mostly just we're not mostly we are all volunteers on the weekends um so in the in the weekdays and the holidays they have paid lifeguards from the regional one but yeah in the weekends it's all just volunteers so you do a shift of a Saturday and Sunday once a month basically so yeah good on you, you yeah that is awesome. For those of you that don't know, Mungify is, I'm going to go with two hours, two hours or no, an hour and a half, maybe north of Auckland. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, it's only like an hour and hour and 10, hour and 15 now that the 
the new motorways open as well. So it's very, very accessible to Aucklanders. So nice. Okay, awesome. What is one thing on your bucket list that we can possibly help you to do, be, or have? Oh yeah, that's a that is a that is a big that is a big question. All right, that one. Uh, um, I think probably the one that 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 springs to mind is um, I want to get back to um, my uh, my mum is actually uh, South African by birth, so yeah, I'm, I haven't actually. I've been back to South Africa once when I was much younger. Um, but not back. I've been to South Africa, so yeah, I'm. I'm I want to head back there. And when I was there, it was kind of brief, and it was for doing other things. So I, I one thing I really want to do, an experience I really want to have, is to get back to Africa, and I want, want to do like one of the really long um, uh, game. Uh, you know, safaris, mm. like multiple week ones. I did like a really brief one when I was there. It was just literally for the day, but I want the experience of actually doing like, you know, a, a full a full experience where, you, where you're doing it for a couple of weeks or so at least. So, yeah, that's that's the one thing that I definitely want to do that's on the bucket list. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, doing, um, going and checking out your heritage. It's, um, that's awesome. And so if anyone listening has some ideas around a amazing African safari that is not just a day trip um, that you'd recommend for Glenn, then you can get in touch with him directly. Or of course, you can send us a message, text 2057 or inbox at realitycheck.radio. So Glenn, what is coming up for you, either personally or in the business in the next few months? And how can people connect with you online? Maybe if you can reel off the website another time? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, the website is just goldsurvivalguide.co.nz or Google or whatever your preferred search engine is, uh, Gold Survival Guide, and you'll you'll see us there. And we're on the, the likes of uh, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and whatnot as well, um, LinkedIn. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's where to find us. In terms of uh, things that are coming up, um, we're about to, I haven't got a date yet, but we're about to roll out like a, I think we'll do it on a, at least a monthly basis to start with, but a um, like an FAQ type call, which we haven't, we've sort of done these on a more sporadic basis, like once in a blue moon, but we think the blue moon needs to come a bit more often or once a month. So maybe we'll make a call at the full moon. Um, so yeah, we're going to start some FAQ type calls where we'll, we'll touch on stuff about, you know, like what's going on in the industry and what we kind of see from behind the, behind the lines as such. Um, so we're about to roll those out in the next month, I would say. Um, so yeah, like if you're on our if you're on our email list, you'll you'll be sure to hear about those. So um, that's what we're about to about to roll out. And um, yeah, in terms of in terms of anything else going on, well, yeah, that, that's probably like, probably the main one that that springs to mind. I think yeah. Okay, that's awesome. And there's also I know some videos on your website if they just want to go and have a look, um, they can learn more there. Anything else you want to share with us before we wrap it up? Um, no, I mean, that's, I think we've covered quite a lot. I mean, I would I'd encourage people to go and, you know, explore the idea a bit more if you haven't really. Um, you know, like like we say, we educate first, sell second. So, like, go and learn something about precious metals and how they can potentially, you know, help you um look after the wealth you've got and potentially even you know grow that wealth into the into the future as well um and as you alluded to there's maybe not enough people that actually you know they might be aware of it but haven't actually taken any steps to do that so that's the key thing is to go and take a step and actually learn a bit more and i think once you've actually got some physical gold or silver in your hands there's like a weird kind of 
ethereal sort of, um, I don't know, like a, I'm going to sound a bit woo-woo and say spiritual, but, you know, like it's got, there's a reason why humans have been attracted to it for like thousands of years. Like it, there is something about it and it's, you can't really, which is why I'm struggling to put it into words because you can't really put that into words, but there is a feeling when you get it in your hands. So I'd encourage you to actually go and get your hands on some, even as Natalie said, if even if it's just a couple of ounces of silver, which is, you know, like, you know, 40, 50, 100 bucks, you know, so don't spend a few coffees each week and you can probably buy a silver coin in no time. So I'd yeah. just, to go and, you know, just to go and take a take a step. And even if it's not with us, like go and look at it. I mean, that's kind of how we started out. And that's sort of our mission is about educating people about what's going on in the world and in terms of the monetary system and and about protecting themselves from that. Because I think a lot of the a lot of the kind of troubles and evils of the world, if you trace them all back, there's often people trying to put band-aids on top of things, but most of the problems will actually all come back to like what we see as money. And it's rather we don't have money today, we just have currency, you know. So a lot of the troubles in the world actually stem out of what our monetary system is. And so if people can be educated about that, then hopefully when the when things change, we can be pushing for um you, you know, like change that is actually good, not just the regurgitation of like past problems, really. You know, so, um, yeah, and that's probably what I see ideally is that we would have like a in fact, I'm literally about to write something and publish about this on a website today, but it's about like a free market for money, basically. So, let people choose what they want to use as money, and the you know, the cream will float to the top, basically. It won't be, it won't be New Zealand dollars and it won't be US dollars in their current form. So, yeah, go, go and learn something about that, and and then pass it on to other people because I think that can make a big a big difference, you know, to the planet in the in the years ahead. Thank you so much. You know, you reminded me as you were talking about um, it, it, you know, your customer service. Like when you sent it to me, what I noticed is that someone would ring me and make sure I was going to be home, and then it comes in the courier bag. I'm pretty sure like they come and they deliver it at a certain time. So it's kind of like when you're getting the laundry guy to come around and fix your laundry or whatever, like you, ha you have to be there. Um, and so I really like the fact that it's like, it's not just going to sit on my doorstep, you know, someone's going to take it um, because these are the things people are worried about these days. So I really, I thought that was very thorough and very professional. Um, thank you so much for chatting with us today about gold and silver. It's definitely a topic I've been wanting to dive into for a while. So I'm so glad we could find the time to have a chat. and. Um, yeah, thanks so much. So you guys can go check it out, goldsurvivalguide.co.nz. Thank you so much, Glenn. What are you up to for the rest of the day? Yeah, thanks a lot, Natalie. Uh, you're not, I'll be kind of winding it down, actually. I've had my swim before I talk to you, so I've got the exercises being ticked off for the day. So, um, yeah, I'll just, as I said, I'll be finishing off this article that I just mentioned about, like, you know, what's a gold, what is the gold standard and could we return to it and, and you know, a free market for money basically so that's what i'll be spending the next three hours will be fleshing that out and finishing that off yeah well we look forward to reading it i will grab the link and i will put it on the replay page once this interview is up um so people can have a read themselves thanks so much glenn oh awesome yeah thanks a lot for having me in long matter really, really appreciate it and thanks for listening everyone you're listening to up your brave on rcr reality check radio